So when they read the Bible, they're like, okay, this is Temne, and I understand it, and I understand what God is telling me. Welcome to the Essentially Translatable Podcast, brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. I'm Rich Rodowski. And I'm Emily Wilson, and I want to encourage you all to subscribe to receive the podcast notifications. So you can subscribe via Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, all of the places where you listen to your podcasts. Hitting that subscribe button will give you a notification anytime we launch a new podcast. So that is every other week, and uh, that drops Friday mornings very early in the morning unless you are across the pond. So I want to encourage you to subscribe, and uh, you can get more awesome content right on your phone notifying you as soon as it drops. Yep, and this week we've been recording several interviews at, uh, during the week of Concordia Mission Institute's summer conference, and so you may hear some little little voices in the background as the child care program let out during the interview here, but we got to talk with Amy Formella, one of our missionaries to Sierra Leone, and uh, talking with her about her life there and her work with the Mende and Temne language communities. Enjoy the podcast. We are here in the studio today with Amy Formella, missionary to Sierra Leone. Great to have you with us today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. <laughs> so anytime we have a new guest on our podcast, we want to introduce you to our listeners. So can you share a little bit about your background, where it is that you studied and what you studied? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Nina, Wisconsin, and there are a couple important things about that town. One, we make manhole covers, so if you look down oh. most of the United States, yes. <laughs> you will find a manhole cover, so you are welcome for that. And <laughs> we also, yeah, Kimberly Clark originated in Nina, so Kleenex, diapers, those sorts of things Nice. Um, right. also serve this world, so... That's our claim to fame. And then just general Wisconsin cheese, cheese. curd. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah, things like that. Yep. Right. Um, and so I went to Concordia University, Wisconsin, and got my degree in lay ministry, which is now the director of Christian Ministries and Theology and Theological Languages, so Greek, Hebrew, and a little bit of Latin. Nice. <laughs> and then by that time, my senior year of high school, I was introduced or reintroduced to Lutheran Bible translators, as in technically I should have known it existed because my church supported a missionary for a really long time. But mm -hmm. I didn't know either. It, <laughs> it never really like entered my brain uh, what he did or what, um, what Lutheran Bible translators did. So the missions professor at Concordia, Dr. Firetog, told me about Lutheran Bible translators. So that's when I um, decided to, that was what I was going to do because... That's what missions and biblical languages mixed, where they mixed. And um, I didn't know what much about either of them, but that's what I wanted to do. So then I talked to the recruiters and hung out with LBT people as much as possible. And then um, uh, so after Concordia, then I went to Graduate Institute of Applied Linguistics, which is now Dallas International University, and did my linguistic certificate before traveling around to different churches and moving to Sierra Leone. All right. So, yep. And then uh, backing up a little bit there before uh, coming on board officially with Lutheran Bible Translators, you came and visited me and my family in Botswana. That was between your 
junior and senior year, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So talk a little bit. That was, we called those trips Crossroads back in the day. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about your participation on Crossroads and that experience and how that helped your decision-making process. Yeah, so like for me, I already kind of knew that I wanted to join Lutheran Bible Translators. There's not a lot of like options for people interested in missions and biblical languages. Like it is like... Bible translation. That's one, huh? Take note, if and you're that's listening. what, yeah. <laughs> and that's what, and I was interested in it, but it's kind of hard to imagine and picture Bible translation in America because the people who are translating the Bible are PhDs somewhere, somewhere mm. that I don't know. Right. So, like, to imagine what Bible translation actually looks like, and when I first heard about Lutheran Bible translators, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to be translating the Bible into different languages." Mm-hmm. And thank God that that's not true, <laughs> and that you know. But then, like, I learned it's more of supporting people who are who are translating the Bible into their own language, and so seeing what that looks like was helpful, and seeing the different stages. And the different, like different environments where people translate the Bible, whether you have to take a boat to the office (laughs) or you're in a smaller village or the desert or in a bigger city, an office built for translation or one a part of a church, you know, it was just helpful to see all of them. Excellent. So when you were in Botswana, you were able to actually visit multiple language programs and see the different contexts and how what was similar and what was different. You mentioned the one taking the, the boat to the office. Can you share a little bit about the, the language communities that you met along the way with Crossroads? Yes. Or maybe some of the activities you yeah. did the while as, uh, as well. Like nine years ago now, but yeah. uh, we did visit three. Chie, mm-hmm. yep. Shikalahari, and Kwaidam. yep. And um, all of them were very different because Xie was in a town, the, the translation project was in a town called Maun, and it was in a very small office in a very big church building. And the Kwaidam translation was farther. Yeah. Is that the one that we had to take the boat to? Yes. Yes. So that one was like, we took, we took a boat, which was really cool. We just visited the office and talked to the translators, and then I don't remember going to the office for the Shikalahari, but we did go to church, and then I think we went. That's the one we went to a review session outside. And for someone from Wisconsin, I thought I was like could deal with the cold, and ha ha ha, Southern Africa cold was no big deal. I was not prepared because <laughs> it was like actually cold, not as cold as Wisconsin, but I didn't prepare myself like they told me to. So we were always cold in the mornings and the evenings. Mm. So, but that was actually something that I always think back on is the review session that they did. And I don't know if that's the term they use for that project, but they read the the portion of scripture in Shikalahari. Is that, that's the name of the language? Okay. And then like... They asked questions of the people listening to it about like what they heard, and that is something that we're working towards in our projects in Sierra Leone. And like, there's so much to go into Bible translation, making sure it is understandable, not just okay, is this good Mende, but like asking the right questions to make sure that people are understanding it in the way that you think they're going to understand it. And so that's something we're keeping in mind and that especially that one particular part in 
the Shikalahari area is something that I still remember that we should do also <laughs> for awesome. our projects in Sierra Leone. So. so then after going through the process, more training, that partnership development uh, sent to Sierra Leone. So tell us a little bit about your role in Sierra Leone, the context there, how long you've been there. I moved to Sierra Leone over six years ago. It was May 2017. I, when I first got there, I lived in a town called McKinney for two months with the Wagner family who are working with the Temne Translation Projects. They were um, orienting me to Sierra Leone and making sure I could use a phone and talk about security and uh, just be connected to different people and learn about the culture from different people and slowly start learning the language, but their language project was different than mine and there weren't as many Monday speakers. So that was like just, uh, just a taste of learning language. And then within that time in the middle of it, I w was living in a medium-sized village in uh, an apartment where a Peace Corps worker would usually stay at a school with someone who worked with the Monday Bible Translation Project. And it was mostly hanging around the school, but then we took a couple of trips to some of the students' families' uh, villages. And so I got to have more interaction with the Monday language and culture and people. And that the person is still, like, considers himself my Monday father and I still see him at work uh, awesome. three times a week. So, yeah. um, and he still scolds me when I don't <laughs> go and visit <laughs> the village enough. <laughs> but, and then I went back to McKinney and then finally moved to Bow where I live, um, which is the second city in Sierra Leone. It's the second largest city. It's about 250,000 people. And the main language is Monday, but, um, because it's a city, there are a lot of different languages around, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's, there's a lot of to unpack with Sierra Leone. And I know that a lot of our listeners may have heard it at some point, like Sierra Leone, like, oh, Ruthie Wagner shared that she used to work in Sierra Leone. Mm. But could you dive into a little bit of what's happening in the country? There's there's a lot that has changed in the last decade. Like, so for example, we think about the Ebola crisis back in 2014, but also with COVID and technology. So what is it that has changed in the last decade for Sierra Leoneans? So Sierra Leone, mo like for the last 20 years is, or 30 is where a lot of the change happened because the civil war ended in 2020 and that lasted for about a decade. So that's where a lot of major like, personal and cultural shifts happen from what I've heard people talk about because you know anytime you have a major conflict people tend to go towards the cities families change they get separated and reunited education gets disrupted and you know politics change coups happen and like multiple happen and then eventually someone gets elected and so and then even going back to the in independence in 1961 and so like all over like that since then like everything has been it seems to me from what I've been I've heard people talk about and how they talk about Sierra Leone at different times that's when things shifted for the last 40 years mm -hmm. so then it was like independence dealing with the political shifts and coups and then political parties and then the civil war 
and then Ebola, which happened in like 2013 to 2015, and it was officially declared Ebola-free in 2015. So that changed, and then COVID hit, and then Russia invaded the Ukraine, which had a huge impact on the economy. And then I think the dollar strengthened Mm -hmm. compared to other currencies. So like COVID, Russia, the dollar, every all of the prices of stuff that gets imported increased like crazy. Mm -hmm. And so like a few years ago, the it was 10 leones for $1 and now it's 20 leones for $1. Mm. So there's been a lot of changes everywhere. Economy-wise, it's <laughs> it's been really hard for people. Health-wise, Ebola and COVID have probably had a mix of good and bad impacts, you know, things shutting down but also like more medical care in the country, like more focused medical care and there are some like uh, projects that have happened because of that. And but also like anytime things happen, it impacts education and politics. So tell us a little bit about the partnerships there. Who are we working with and Bible translation? Uh, primarily, we work with the Bible Society of Sierra Leone, the Institute for Sierra Leonean Languages. And we also have some work with the Christ Evangelical Lutheran Church of Sierra Leone. But a lot of people are connected to either both or all three of those mm-hmm. organizations. But for me, I primarily work with the Bible Society of Sierra Leone because my my work is in translation. Mm-hmm. So what's the language diversity like in country? Do you know how many languages are spoken in um, Sierra Leone? Yeah, there's probably an exact number, but usually I just say there are about 20 languages mm-hmm. because you have Creole, which is the language of wider communication. It's a Creole language um, that most people can speak, but most of the time it's someone's second language. And then Mene and Temne are the next largest languages, but then there's a bunch of smaller languages, but some of them are shared with Guinea and Liberia. So some of them might have more people in Guinea and Liberia, but they're still represented in Sierra Leone. Mm -hmm. So thinking about all of the challenges that have existed in the past few decades of civil war and... um, just also the displacement that kind of happens from that Ebola, COVID and the like, what is it that with technology, like, because you actually work with two programs now you're working with Amende, but you're also helping with the Temne. Has there been more connectivity in the country with technology or do you still find yourself traveling back and forth between the two programs quite a bit? Yeah, so I de- it's definitely a mix of the two. Personally, I work better wherever I am. <laughs> so, like, okay. I can connect to people in the Temne project, but, like, when I'm at the Monday office or in Bo, it's hard for me sometimes to be like, okay, I'm going to work online today when I have, like, the Monday translators right next to me who are, like, I can help in person with the translation software issues or, like, team check with them in person so I do choose to travel occasionally um, because I know I'm going to be better in person even if I can do things online. And I don't know Temne as well. I can't read it as much because I started with the project the same time I started my master's and I don't live where Temne is spoken. So I haven't been able to reach the same language skills for reading Temne as I do for Monday. So they're also like practical barriers to being able to interact with them well but with the Monday team when we have to work 
um, like during COVID, we had to figure out how to work online with the consultant, and that was it. That kickstarted us to being able to work just as a team online for team checking. So, since so that helped us learn how to interact with each other better online, and then like through WhatsApp or other internet communication programs, we've been able to find ways to stay connected. Mm-hmm. And it's been easier because we already know each other really well. They like we know our strengths and weaknesses as individuals and as a team, like balance it out easier where with the other the Temne team where I'm still trying to figure out where I can help best. And I don't know the language as well, so I can't read through it and be like, well, it looks like you missed this. I always mm-hmm. have to ask for a back translation, which is harder because mm-hmm. it adds more time over, you mm-hmm. know, when you're already, like, dealing with Internet issues and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So with the Mende program, we'll kind of dig into them each a little separately. So what's the, the goal or the scope of that of that project? And tell us a little bit about the community, maybe what makes them unique. Yeah, so the Monday Bible Translation Project is Old Testament and New Testament. So for the Monday, we are done with drafting, team checking, and community review for the Old Testament. Mm. We just have to continue working with the consultant for most of the Old Testament to be started. And then for the New Testament, by the end of the year or even by the end of this third quarter, they will be done drafting and then team checking, reviewing, and consulting all still have yet to be done. But Matthew will begin. They'll start team checking Matthew this month. So That's amazing. That's amazing progress. I know. So Monday, did they have a previous translation like years ago? Yeah, they have an old test or a full Bible translation from 1959. But even like the guys who can read Monday really well. They so there's an organization from Ghana who wanted to do Old Testament audio recordings, and mm-hmm. they were like, "Well, you guys have an Old Testament already." And some of the really smart guys they started reading, and they're like, mm, "I don't know, guys." Right. <laughs> so yeah. we're like, "Well, can we actually do the one that we're working on and use it both as a tool for getting the Old Testament translation out there and get feedback?" Mm-hmm. So we're kind of in the process, but it mm-hmm. kind of confirmed for me after all of this work that this is actually really important because if someone who's like has a master's if he would prefer a newer translation then Mm -hmm. younger people people with less education people with less language experience and training are going to benefit a lot more from a modern translation so we also have a new testament that came out in 2002 um, but that's just the new testament and there are some some things that need to be updated because they have some letters that aren't in the Monday alphabet. And the the base text changed for from the New Testament translation for 2002 and this project. So in 2002, it came from the Good News translation as the base text. Okay. And this current one is from the New Revised Standard Version, so which is similar to the ESV. So those are massive differences for, like... Uh, how you translate and what needs to be translated because now we have more verses essentially and more stuff in each verse Mm -hmm. um so we and then anytime you do an old testament you have to update the new testament so everything is cohesive in some way Mm. yeah so then uh, you know listeners hearing that may say okay so where's the what's the role of um you know greek and hebrew language then in there if uh 
the NRSV is the, a base text. What does that mean, and how how does the biblical language uh, factor in those processes? Yeah, so one of the reasons that I'm a part of the project is because I have Greek and Hebrew training, and I'm continuing to train more um, for now in New Testament Greek, and then maybe in the future more in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. But it, it's part of the challenge with trying to get the Bible in every single language is not every single language has people who have the time and availability of resources to learn Greek and Hebrew well enough to translate the Bible from Greek and Hebrew. Like I've been studying Greek for altogether maybe like four years worth of undergraduate and graduate credits. And I still like, I would not want to translate the New Testament into English for anybody to read as their Bible because it just takes a lot of a lot of understanding not just of what the words mean and the grammar means but also like the culture and like how how the language should be understood and so that's that's what people who have all of the that training to a much higher degree PhDs and research and everything they've already made these really good translations for us but they also made it for another culture in another language. So part of what I do is help us look at the different resources, but also go back to the Greek and Hebrew when we're struggling with the English, because sometimes Greek and Hebrew connects closer to Mende or Temne than going from Mende or Greek and Hebrew to English to Mende. Most of the times we don't have a problem because people have already figured out the challenges for us. Mm-hmm. And Mende actually connects fairly well with how the English is translated. A lot of it is more dealing with idioms, cultural actions, and word order, and that kind of thing. But there are occasion, there are some times when the English has to translate something one way because Americans or people from England can't understand the literal Hebrew mm. translation. So those are times when we have to like be careful not to translate the English way of interpreting the Greek and Hebrew if it's different from how a Mende person would need to do it because then you're, I don't know, like interpreting American culture instead right, right. Yeah. biblical culture. So sometimes it stays the same. Like Mende and English tend to rely on the heart for a lot of things, like yeah. feelings um, and not so much like the inner organs like some other languages so some things we don't have a problem with but other times we do have to be careful mm-hmm. especially with gestures like in what they mean sometimes mm. they can be different or reactions and just one a couple more things on monday that just listening to the scope of everything that's been translated and coming up for checking how many other folks are working on this with you uh there are four translators three full-time translators one part-time translator slash linguist yeah. and Uh, We also have another member of the team who started out as a keyboarder, and she's also the secretary for the office in Bo, but really she would be like kind of like a translation assistant because she's there with us every day during team checking and reviewing, and she's continuing to learn and ask questions, and she can use the translation software, but she just has to take more classes and stuff. So there's four full-time translators, but there's five Sierra Leoneans are part of the team, and then I'm the translation advisor, technical advisor. That's awesome. So the second language community that you're working alongside is the Temne. Mm -hmm. So similar question, what's the the goal for that particular program? And the scope, what's the team like there? 
Yeah, so for now, as far as I know, what's been decided so far is Old Testament and New Testament, but so far only the Old Testament has been started, but the Old Testament has been fully revised slash drafted. So the New Testament is like on the horizon. Mm. It just We just haven't officially talked about when we're going to start, but the team is mostly part-time. So their ability to draft is actually quite high because they spend less time in the office and more time at home or working at other jobs. So when they have a half an hour or an hour, they can draft. Um, so they finished out doing their drafting and revising work in the Old Testament and they're nearing the end of the team checking I think within the next year or two and again reviewing tends to quickly follow the end of team checking as long as things go well and then the consultant checking is where (laughs) we're always like bottlenecking yeah Uh, so but that's a normal problem but that's also a problem in Sierra Leone so I don't know when they'll finish the Old Testament consultant wise but for the teamwork that we can do without the consultant and the community work it'll be probably within the next two years that the Old Testament will be done for what the team can do and then I would guess the New Testament will start in the next year and it won't take them long to draft because they've already drafted the whole Old Testament. They already have more training. One of them has gotten his master's in linguistics in the time that he's been a part of the team and they've been a team together working. So the drafting will be fairly quick because the Monday finished within two years. So what's like, I know that there's, a lot of different cultures kind of blending in Sierra Leone. You have people who uh, maybe practice Islam, people who are Christians, people who are maybe a blend or a practicing traditional religion. So translating the Old Testament, what does that kind of do for all of those blending cultures? For me, the things that I can anticipate it helping and that I've heard from missionaries who do like work with the audio Bible in person as their evangelistic tool and like the the Old Testament is a connection for Muslims and Christians because we have the same like religious, I guess, fathers. Abraham, Isaac, Mm -hmm. or at least Abraham is like a common person, Adam and Eve. Like we're actually having a challenge of deciding how to say Adam and Eve in the Mende translation because most people want to say Bemba, Adama, and Mama Hawa. But uh, other people are like, well, that's the Muslim way of saying it. But the Muslims and the Christians both most times recognize those people as the first two people who were created. So um, it's one of those one of those things where like the connection helps us sometimes in translation to have those words already exist. Mm-hmm. So... It'll be nice to have the whole history of the Old Testament that way to have that connecting point. Mm-hmm. But also, like the longer we just uh, finished consultant checking the Pentateuch, and you really see a lot of the things that Jesus fulfills even more mm-hmm. than you realize when you have to like suffer <laughs> translating every single word and yeah. every single part of the tabernacle and every single law and trying to wade through Leviticus and everything. Mm. And so there's a lot in the Old Testament that it's like, okay, well, like, does this mean we have to do it? No, but why don't we have to do it? And what, you know, like seeing how Jesus fulfills all of those places. And then 
it's also helpful for Christians who more pay attention to the New Testament in understanding not just that Jesus exists, but why he did what he did and why he had to, and also the years, the generations and generations that led up to it. And like when we're translating, sometimes it's it's like, okay, well, that's kind of strange. What's <laughs> like what's happening or this law or that, that thing. Um, but like looking at the big picture, it is kind of crazy how, how Jesus perfectly fits within, like within what was expected of the sacrifice and all of the parts of the tabernacle and everything. So it might, it'll probably be different for each denomination in person and, and for the traditional religion, there is a lot of traditional religion in the old Testament and seeing the challenge that people have in the old Testament, it probably like verifies people's challenge in dealing with it in real life, yeah. but also like redirecting them to the fact that like Yahweh always was like, it's me, right? only me because I'm the one with the power and these guys don't have it. Hmm. That's awesome. I love that. That's really great. You mentioned a little bit ago also that you started master's program and that Biola University. Tell us a little bit about what you're studying and how how that fits into, you know, your work that you're doing now and maybe what you may be doing in the future. Yeah, so it took a while for me to land on a program because I was looking at finishing the program in Texas at the linguistics school that we all, well, not anymore, but a lot of us go to, have gone to. But they, at that point, they didn't have really many online classes and synchronous classes aren't always ideal because Mm. internet can be reliable but it's not always reliable so um, I started looking around at other university seminaries that had um, uh, master's programs that are more focused in exegesis which I (laughs) it was not an easy thing to find because a lot of those programs aren't necessarily big enough for them to have an online program because you have most seminaries their main people are in like MDivs Masters of Divinity, and then people who work in churches but aren't pastors, and like people, more people focus, <laughs> more people focus ministry masters, and so the the people who are focusing in Greek and Hebrew, they're not necessarily a lot of us, and if because pastors already have it as a part of their degree, but they don't necessarily have to take the extra classes. So finally, I was visiting a friend at Biola, and I was like, well. she has to work and I have to do something so I'll just look at the majors page or the master's page and see what they got going on not expecting anything because I've been searching for a long time Mm -hmm. for a fully online program and they had a fully online master's of New Testament and Old Testament so I didn't know which one to pick and so my boss was just like well other people have a bit more Old Testament, so you can be a bit more New Testament. I'm like, okay, but I'm probably going to do both <laughs> at some point. Yeah. Why but, choose when you yeah. can have both, right? But for now, I started with the New Testament because a lot of the projects now are in the Old Testament, but when you do the Old Testament, then you have to revise the New Testament, so it's kind okay. of impossible to choose. Yeah. So my program is fully online. It is focused in New Testament, so that's Greek exegesis, New Testament exegesis, New Testament history, and like the world of the New Testament. But because it's at a seminary, I also took theology classes and hermeneutics classes and stuff like that. So 
I don't know how many credits I've done. I don't know how many I have left. I haven't looked in a while because I started with two classes a semester and then I went down to one. So, so one day you'll just show up and try <laughs> to register and they'll be like, no, no, you you're can't done. register. You're already like, done. But also I want to start your old testament. Okay. Program. And they're just going to be like, all right, just keep going. We'll see you in seven years. <laughs> I mean, that it really does feel like, you know, like back in high school, they would call them God moments of just how like very clearly... You had been searching for so long mm -hmm. and then it was just in not even expecting to find anything that the Lord was like, here it is. Here's this program. And so when you're going through these courses, how have you seen it impacting your career so far? And what is the hope, the trajectory moving forward? Yeah, so because we're so mostly in the Old Testament, we're actually once I get to Sierra Leone, we will be team checking the New Testament. So I think that's where it's going to start helping a lot, especially with um, the world of the New Testament and then the stuff that I've learned in the exegesis classes to do my assignments and looking into the the culture and the relig religious practices and the the political environment and all of that. But it's helped in in uh i don't know refocusing sometimes on like okay we have to think of all of these things while we're translating because we are the ones who have to translate the bible for everybody else so we have to understand it the best that we can right. so that people who don't have the same resources and time and education and even the people there are people who are only going to ever listen to it on the proclaimer on their phone mm. and so we have a big responsibility and so <laughs> taking this class just reminded me how much I don't know and how much like we need to think about for every single verse and every single chapter um, which is why like doing an Old Testament masters would be beneficial also because there's so much in each testament to try and understand what's going on but also it gives you access and knowledge of resources and what, where to find resources and like the process of going from reading the verse or chapter to understanding what's going on behind the words and behind the scenes and the culture that people are interacting with and the realities they're interacting with. I've heard your joy in the middle of all of this, and I've also heard the challenge, but could you name some for the listeners of why is it that you like are still here? You know, there is like sometimes... When people, when I was a recruiter and talking to people about the work of Bible translation ministry and the fact that it is long and it is hard and it is, it really requires all of you. What are some of those joys and challenges that you face? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of like one of the weird things about being a missionary is like, it's just kind of your life, but it's also like, hey, you're a missionary and <laughs> do these things. So sometimes it's hard to pick out things because it's just life now, especially mm -hmm. now that it's been six years. So it's more of a day to day, just reality kind of thing. But it's and it's kind of hard to explain because whenever you're like, well, how long are you going to be in Sierra Leone? I usually tell them, like, I don't know, but like the I being in the U.S. would be great because that's where my family is, my parents, my siblings, and their kids. But as far as right now, there's no reason in Sierra Leone to leave Sierra Leone, and there's no reason to leave Bible translation, and I still feel like it's my call and my vocation. And when I 
think about what I would do if I didn't have Bible translation. Like my call to Bible translation is clear enough that I can't imagine doing anything else. And I feel comfortable in that, in in being in translation for as long as I can see to the into the future which is like the next five seconds <laughs> so but <laughs> and it's just like every day every day there's something there's good there's bad and I think the longer I'm there like the more it's just becoming normal and my life outside of bible translation isn't too crazy there there's good things there's bad things but I don't have an extra crazy life that adds pressure a lot of pressure to like the translation work and the master's work. So that helps. But every day we have conversations that I'm just like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about anymore. Like you guys are speaking my language, but you're speaking about things that I don't understand. And I've been here for six years and I'm like, wow, I really need to learn more. Or they're speaking Creole and my Creole is getting better, but it could be better. And I don't understand enough of it. I'm like, okay, well, have I really lived here for the last six years? <laughs> but then there are other times when, like, I switch into Creo because I was saying something in a way that was just too American. And, like, sometimes it helps me refocus my brain to explaining things in a way that fits the Sierra Leone context better. And then people understand what I'm talking about. I'm like, okay, like, I'm not a complete fairy. <laughs> like, I can do this. And in the translation work, it's sometimes it's like there's no possible way to translate this verse in the best way possible. Like we just have to do our best and hope for the best. And it's just, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know like exactly what it means or the Monday is really hard to match with the Hebrew and the English and the structure. And it's almost like we would want to like change five verses, you know, and there are other times where, one of the translators walks up to the projector screen and rearranges like the whole verse in a way that just makes it everything sound better. And it's like, okay, this is, you know, like we're doing this well. Mm -hmm. And like, you can see like when, when we're changing the translation in a way that's still accurate, but more Monday, like you can see the really, I don't know if relief is the right word, but like the oh yeah like that's that's the way it needs to be and so those times when our patience pays off is really nice and when the reviewers come and they don't have a lot of suggestions and we don't have a lot of major arguments it's like okay hopefully that means we we've been doing and like especially after we've been working on a book that we tried really hard on and we put gave a lot of attention to and it's like okay like, I think we actually did a good job. It wasn't just like we went through all of that pain <laughs> for right. nothing. And so it's just kind of a mix of everything. So how can we be praying for you and the folks listening as they think about uh, you and your ministry? What would you like prayer for? Um, definitely, yeah. The master's program is helpful because I am a procrastinator. Okay. And that impacts <laughs> how I interact with my school programs. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm the type of person where I get my uh, schedule from the syllabus and it says when the paper is due and I know I'm not sleeping the night before. <laughs> <laughs> so, And also just like balancing school and the Monday project and the Temne project. Sometimes I get it right and sometimes I don't get it right. And then for the projects themselves, a lot of things disrupt the translation 
process and a lot of some of them are because we're people and we're not perfect and some of them are just because life happens and life happens more to the translators than it does to me Mm -hmm. because they they're where they grew up so it's not just their health their safety in traveling to and from the office it's also their family Mm -hmm. their community their churches their you know, the kids that they're taking care of for another family member, for someone else who's in the community, or just, you know, things that I wouldn't expect ever. And they have to deal with all of that and somehow have a normal 8.30 to 4.30 job. And like, I have things that impact me sometimes, but it's like malaria sometimes, or, um, you know, like sometimes my dog will have puppies and I'm like, I'm going to leave work early because I need to go check on their puppies. And they're like, their dogs they can take care of their own (laughs) or you know i have to travel for one project and leave another project behind or take a day or a week to focus on school but for them because they live in a community in a community oriented (laughs) community more than the u.s like they just have more people to be around more people to take care of more people to visit in the hospital or go to funerals for or Um, And there's just more likely chance of getting sick or getting in a a traffic accident from motorbikes or vehicles or whatever. So health, traveling, safety, or every day when we pray, it's always traveling mercies. And, And also just like perseverance and energy and wisdom for the project itself because there are times when we're just doing the job and I'm like you know we are trans we're we're translating the bible (laughs) and sometimes like we always know we're translating the bible but sometimes we forget we're translating the bible and it's like guys we just like we're so tired we need to go to work or we just need to go home we're like man this is really hard and Mm -hmm. you know it's easy to just think of it as a job and it is a job but at the same time we're translating the word of god so just like perspective, wisdom, and perseverance to make sure that we continue to do this and and learn from the scriptures that we're reading and letting it impact us, but also doing the best that we can for the Mende people and the Temne people. So when they read the Bible, they're like, okay, this is Temne, and I understand it, and I understand what God is telling me. Well, we want to thank you for being on the podcast, and we will definitely be lifting you up in prayer with the Mende and the Temne translation teams and their community. And so thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you, too. One thing I appreciated is as we were talking with Amy, she was a little nervous, of course, before we got started, but she clearly just loves every aspect of her work and life there and um, just the the smile on her face the whole time she was talking and um, and, and I think in a, a way that is you know actually healthy and balanced she is is all in on Bible translation and it's her life and she loves it and can't imagine it any other way mm-hmm. yeah it was really inspiring to be able to hear about how this is impacting the community and the the choices that they are making and those aha moments of rearranging sentence structure and the like so that it is a more beautiful and clear translation and still accurate. So, and her desire to sharpen her skills as a translation advisor and just leaning into her vocation that 
this is most certainly a calling from the Lord and that he will provide and he will make known the next steps in her career. So want to encourage you all, um, if you are feeling called to support the ministry of Bible translation, the Temne and the Mende programs are all part of the More Than Words comprehensive campaign for scripture impact. We have a goal by the end of 2024 of $43.9 million for programs like the Mende and the Temne for literacy, for translation, for capacity. And you see that with the Mende and Temne as literacy classes are happening, as people are raising them uh, up in the community, ministry entrepreneurs to be able to not only translate for their own language communities, but also for others. Right. So that they can have God's word in this generation and continue to to unfold that impact both in the Mende and Temne communities and then in, into other places in Sierra Leone too. So check out the More Than Words campaign for scripture impact at lbt.org. Thank you for listening to the Essentially Translatable podcast brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. You can find past episodes of the podcast at lbt.org slash podcast or subscribe on Audible, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Lutheran Bible Translators social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Or go to lbt.org to find out how you can get involved in the Bible translation movement and put God's Word in your hands. The Essentially Translatable podcast is produced and edited by Andrew Olson. Our executive producer is Emily Wilson. Podcast artwork was designed by Caleb Rodewald and Sarah Rodowski. Music written and performed by Rob Veit. I'm Rich Rodowski. So long for now. <laughs>